Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Our text today's message comes from the New Testament reading of Acts chapter 2 and the Gospel from John chapter 3. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, today is Trinity Sunday, and it's the day where we are reminded of who God is. Not that we need a reminder, but Sometimes we don't always focus or think about God being triune. That's three in one. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. All each a distinct person, yet all three making up the one Godhead. Three persons, one God. The Father is God, the Son is God, and the Holy Spirit is God. And yet they, there are not three gods, but one God. And there's a number of places in God's Word where we see the Trinity present or mentioned altogether, even though the word Trinity isn't in the Bible. One example would be Jesus' baptism. As Jesus is in the water, the Holy Spirit descends upon Jesus as a dove, and we hear the voice of the Father say, This is my beloved Son with whom I am well pleased. A couple weeks ago when we were talking about how God planned things out, we heard Jesus tell the disciples that the Holy Spirit was going to be sent by the Father in Jesus' name and would teach them all things and bring to their remembrance all that he had said to them. The Father sends the Son, Jesus, into the world, and after Jesus ascends into heaven, the Holy Spirit would then be sent. And so later, as two of the original disciples, Matthew and John, are writing their Gospels, we can know that these words aren't just the words of men, but these are the words of God himself. And because they are God's words, they are trustworthy and true, and they contain no errors, which is why we call it the inerrant word of God, without error. And last week, we celebrated Pentecost Sunday, the day when the Holy Spirit was sent by the Father in Jesus' name, as Jesus said, and that the disciples began to speak in other languages so that all the other people who were there in Jerusalem at the time were able to hear the word proclaimed in their native language. And in the New Testament reading for today from Acts, we hear some of Peter's Pentecost sermon where he says this, this Jesus God raised up, and of that we are all witnesses, being therefore exalted at the right hand of God, and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he has poured out this that you yourselves are seeing and hearing. Here again we see the Trinity present. Jesus, the Son of God, was raised up by the Father, and those disciples saw the resurrected Christ. Now Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father, and the Holy Spirit that Jesus promised has been sent. And it's because of the Holy Spirit that all who were present were able to hear and see what they were hearing and seeing. Those same words that you are seeing and hearing. The disciples were witnesses to all of these things, but we are not. We only have their testimony to go on. 
The testimony that God is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Three persons, one God. Three distinct persons with different roles, yet one God. So what does this have to do with you today? Well, think about your life right now. Think about all of the things that are going on. What are your greatest struggles? What are your greatest concerns? What are your biggest questions that come up over and over again? And how does God, as Trinity, as Triune, three in one, answer them? Now, I don't know about you, but there's two things that jump to my head as a struggle or a question. The first is sin. This is my greatest struggle. The daily life that I live and how I daily give in to temptation and sin. I think about Paul's words in Romans chapter 7 when he says, For I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep doing. Now if I do what I do not want, it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. I know the difference between right and wrong. But the sinful nature inside of me, that's inside of us all, that we're born with, keeps doing what is wrong rather than what is right. I mean, sure, sometimes I do what is right. I can sometimes avoid giving in to temptation, but not all the time. There's not a day goes by that I don't sin. The second thing is the question that is at least somewhat relevant given our current situation. That being, does God care about me? Here we are in the midst of a pandemic. Still. Not being able to gather and worship. Still. Having to worship online. Still. Not being able to be present with our brothers and sisters in Christ, gathered together as the body of Christ. Still. And it's easy to think that in the middle of all of this, even while we're in worship today, that we're all alone in this world. That there is no one who cares about us. And if no one else cares about us, then God doesn't either. Does God care about me? Does he? Because I don't always feel like it. I don't always feel like he does. So let's take a look at God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and see what he has to say or do about our sin and about his care and concern for us. They're all individual persons, yet the same God. And when we speak the words of the Apostles' Creed, the Father comes first, so let's deal with him. God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. We view God as our Father because he is called that in his word. And Jesus teaches us to pray, our Father. And Malachi tells us that he is the Father of us all. And as maker of heaven and earth, he is the one who created us. As the explanation to this part in the creed in Luther's small catechism says, 
I believe that God has made me and all creatures, that he has given me my body and soul, eyes, ears, and all my members, my reason and all my senses, and still takes care of them. He also gives me clothing and shoes, food and drink, house and home, wife and children, land, animals, and all I have. He richly and daily provides me with all that I need to support this body and life. So you can say, does God care about me? Well, he created you. And as his creation, he does everything to provide for your daily needs. Clothing, shoes, food, drink, and the like. And he takes care of all of the parts of your body and everything that you need to support this body and life. Does God care about you? Of course he does. But there's more. We go on. He defends me against all danger and guards and protects me from all evil. All this he does out of fatherly divine goodness and mercy without any merit or worthiness in me. As our father, he cares for us, his children, and he doesn't want us to fall into sin and temptation. That's like how we pray in the Lord's Prayer. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. We are not deserving of having God guard and protect us from all evil, from the evil one. But he does it because he is our father and we are his children. And he is good and he loves us and wants the best for us, even though there is no merit or worthiness in us. For those of you who are parents, do you want your children to do bad things? Do you want them to disobey you? I imagine most likely not. And so you'll do all that you can to teach them and guide them and lead them on the right path. God as Father does that. But he does more than that. Because he sends the Son, Jesus, the second person of the Trinity. Does God care about us? Does he care about our sin? Yes. And that's why Jesus came. We turn to him. Jesus, as God incarnate, the word made flesh, God made man, born of the Virgin Mary, 100% God, 100% man. We know that God is love, as John tells us. And Jesus is that love fulfilled. Because he is the promised Savior that was promised the moment Adam and Eve fell into temptation and brought sin and death into this perfect world. He is the one who would come and bring healing to all people. Eternal healing from all things. Does Jesus love you and care about you? I mean, I know we've used this one before, but it's still fitting. I ask God, how much do you love me? And he said, this much. And he stretched out his arms and died. How many people do you know that would do that for you? Better, how many people do you know that have done that for you? But not just for you, for all people. On the cross, Jesus takes your sin and he dies for you. He takes your sickness and disease and nails it to the cross so that even though your physical life may succumb to those struggles on this earth, 
He made sure that you would end up in a place where there is no more sickness, no more pain, no more suffering, because he took your suffering. He took your hell to give you heaven. We're all sinners, and we are all deserving of punishment for our sins. And sometimes you might think that it's just better for you if you just suffer and take that punishment yourself to feel the full effects of your sin. Sometimes times can be tough, and you might think that it would be better if you would just not be alive, to rather die than continue to live in this world. Sometimes there are times where you may feel completely worthless because of your sin. That God cannot possibly love you. That you are unlovable. That he does not care about you because of how terrible of a sinner you are. How, of how terrible sinners we are. Listen to Paul's words from 1 Timothy. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the foremost. Jesus came to die for the worst of sinners. That's you and me. Are you worth dying for? Maybe not, you say to yourself. I mean, after all, we just heard first article of the Apostles' Creed, there is no worthiness in us. So maybe you're not worthy to die for but Jesus still did it anyway. And he did it because he loves you, because he loves us. As the gospel reading from John told us, for God so loved the world, that's you and me, that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. God doesn't want your death. He wants your life. As the next verse says, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Jesus came to save you from sin, death, and hell. To save the world from sin, death, and hell. He came to give eternal life. And the Holy Spirit is sent to make sure that we believe in Jesus so that we can have eternal life. As the explanation to the third article of the Apostles' Creed says, I believe that I cannot by my own reason or strength, believe in Jesus Christ, my Lord, or come to him. But the Holy Spirit has called me by the gospel, enlightened me with his gifts, sanctified and kept me in the true faith. In our sin, we will never choose God. We will never accept him. We will never believe in him on our own. That's why we need the Holy Spirit to give us the gift of faith and to work in us to keep us in the faith, that faith that leads to eternal life. So even though all three are unique persons, they are all one God working together, united in the Godhead we call the Trinity. The Father who creates and sustains his people. The Son who comes to save the people he created and the Holy Spirit who gives the gift of faith to the people he created and saved. Does God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit care about you and love you? Sometimes, sometimes it may be hard to feel like he does, but we don't put our faith and trust in our feelings. We put our faith and trust in God's actions. We look at the cross 
and we look at the empty tomb and we see love poured out for us and for our sins. And not just some of God's love has been poured out for us, but all of God's love has been poured out for us. He did everything necessary so that you would know of his great love for you as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, whether you deserve it or not, whether you are worthy of it or not. So praise be to the one true God, God in three persons, blessed Trinity. Amen. And now the peace of God, which passes all understanding, guard your hearts and minds in Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior. Amen.